You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Yeah. Hallelujah. Wow, it's so glorious to be here. Um, I think this has been one of the most prepared grand, saturated, you know, fine-tuned. And with people that are just fully activated for the purpose of God. They have been for a long time. Praise God. And uh, I'm just so, so grateful to God that heaven can find a place and a people that are so willing. And I so yielded. So I'm not exhausted at all. I'm excited. You know, when you're excited, it takes away the exhaustion. If you're exhausted, the excitement will go down. So I feel the same excitement I experienced the moment I walked through the immigration before I carried my luggage at the airport. I, I told your pastor. Actually, I jumped. I leaped. I shouted. And people were looking like, what's wrong with this guy? And I knew it was from a deep fountain. So from then, I knew something has been drilled here. So it's just so great to be here, to be with you. You know, to interact Bible says, the same way iron sharpens iron, real spiritual friends sharpen one another. So that's what is happening. And um, because we have a climatic, that is something that is part of the climax of what we've been dealing with, topic to deal with this morning. I will just release all my comments in the realm of the Spirit. But so easy to say that Pastor Eric and Uba, they are among the people closest to our hearts on planet Earth. That is the truth. They are among the people we trust the most in life. Praise God. You have to love everyone. But you can't trust everyone. Even Jesus loved everyone. Gave his life. But the Bible says he didn't trust all men. The end of John chapter 2 says, some people believed in him. But he didn't believe in them. They believed. And committed themselves. Jesus refused to commit himself. He loved them, but he knew them. You can't trust who you don't know. So, this is, this is more than love. There are women that love their husband, but they don't trust their husband.
And it's not a fault. And the man said, trust me, trust me. No, you don't say trust me. You have to make yourself trustworthy. Trust is end. It's not demanded. Most women, most normal women love their husband. <laughs> okay, so don't push me now. So, we love your pastors and we trust them. That is serious. You know, a lot of people say, I have received Jesus into my life. How many of us have received Jesus to our life? As if he's the one that needs to be received. <laughs> The real issue is, has Jesus received you? So when you say, I received Jesus, he's watching you. Because when he says he receives you into his kingdom, he's going to commit some serious things to you. So, they didn't just receive us, we received them. It's a journey that started way back, 95. And I still remember as if it were yesterday. I was sharing with Pastor Larry Follow yesterday a particular scripture that God gave me around 4 a.m. And as I was reading it, I said, why is it the same scripture that I discovered when I met Pastor Eric <laughs> is what is popping up now in Pastor Eric's church to be shared with a man. So, and you know, because the body is one, if you are connected with them, you are accepted in the beloved. I, I don't have to check you out. I don't have to ask anybody. You disconnect from them. It's automatic. We're disconnected. I can't help it. Not that I, it's not a personal. It's just a principle. Right? Like you disconnect from Jesus, you disconnect from God. So some people say, I love God, but I don't like Jesus. <laughs> That's the means of connection. So if you are connected with them, let me tell somebody. Say, if you are connected with the pastor, you are accepted in the beloved. <laughs> okay, ask somebody, are you connected? You know what that means? You know what that means? The same love we have for them, the same trust accrues to you. That's the real thing. That's why I'm here. If I came just to be with two of them, the excitement would not be less. As a matter of fact, it's going to take more time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And for those of you that have hung around them, Long enough, you know, sometimes I look at us and I say, if I'm, if I'm you, I won't stay with me. I'm glad you didn't get that. Huh? Now, I said, if I'm in your shoes, I won't stay with me. It's too complicated. It's too complex. It's too demanding. So for you that have put up with us, thank you. It's not easy, you know. 
It's not because there are no options. I think it's because you have a conviction. And I'm saying to you, this is why God is committing something to you. He's releasing something to you that is beyond your imagination. So use this to pray before you see them. The book of Luke, I think I've mentioned it, but we didn't read it together. Luke 22, 29. Tell somebody this is a personal gift for you. Personal. Luke 22, verse 29. Hear what the Lord Jesus said. He says, let's back up a little. Verse 28. Then you're going to help us read, when I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness. We know this one, right? When all things that surround me become shadows in the light of you. When I find the joy of reaching your heart. When your will becomes enthroned upon my will. That is, mine goes down. Yours is enthroned. Then I worship you. The reason I live to worship you. Life is not complicated. It's not complex. There's just one reason for life. All right. But you are those who have continued with me in my trial. Another translation say in my tribulations, in my troubles, in my crisis. Jesus knew his life was turbulent. It was full of trial. To hang around him is to be tried. Right? And he knew there were people that couldn't continue. Not, they were, not because they were bad. Not that they weren't convinced. At the time, many of his disciples left him. They said, why? They said, he's not bad. But the, things is, the th stuff he's talking is too tough. These are hard sayings. They said, we can't bear them. It wasn't personal. And he said, I can't change what I'm talking. He says to the rest, Peter, are you guys still going to stay? Peter said, well, we don't want to stay, but we don't have where to go. <laughs> because we want what you got. You have the words of eternal life. So Jesus was so aware that not everybody could continue with him. He looked at this guy. He said, you are the one that have continued. You know what? Many of us started in 96. <laughs> we call it International Network of Prophetic Voices. Inoproof. And we say to ourselves, we are inoproof. We are proving all things <laughs> and reproving bad things. <laughs> inoproof. All right. But you have continued. There are some of you that have continued. Verse 29. Because you have continued. 29. I bestow upon you a kingdom. Just as my father has bestowed one upon me. So kingdom is not given at the beginning. <laughs> so you now understand. You say, why didn't I understand this before? Well, Jesus said, I haven't given them to you. You read those scriptures. Is that too fresh? Is that too fresh? I'm telling you. He's... You're bigger now since you got married. 
Where is your wife? He's doing a good job. I was, I was trying to do the signing of faces uh, on Thursday. And I said, no, it's not him. He used to be very thin. Come on, good to see you. Way back from Cape Town, right? Come on, come back. Come back. I'll give you your own. I'll give you your own. Look at that. Jesus said, I'm bestowing a kingdom. To bestow, I'm conferring. It's like they confer a citizenship or a knighthood. A honorary whatever. In some countries, they want to honor a man. They see they're giving you the, the keys to the city. Yeah? You know that happens? It's conferred. And it gives you access and authority. And privileges. So Jesus said, listen to this. Please understand this. When you met Jesus and said you received Jesus, he hadn't received you fully. <laughs> he was checking to see how far you can go. Absolutely. He has all this stuff, but he said, can I trust this one? Go ahead, go far. Can this one handle the stuff I have? So he says, among other things, I have kingdom to confer, to bestow. But I give miracles, I give healing. I give food and, and fish. Right? Free of charge. I do whatever stuff you want, but not the kingdom. Yet. I demonstrate kingdom, but I don't confer it yet. I reveal kingdom, but I don't confer it yet. But when I see you have continued with me in all my trials, now, the same way my father conferred kingdom on me, I'm conferring the kingdom on you. Verse 30. So that you may eat and drink at my table within my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Because this guy was drawn from those 12 tribes. So yours is not limited to that. What it means is that there is a jurisdiction for kingdom authority. But Jesus said, when I confer kingdom on you, I accept you so close that you sit on my table and we eat together. That's heavy stuff. So lift your hand. Let's just worship him this morning. We're dealing with serious matters this morning. Kingdom matters. Matters of kingdom authority. Issues of powers and privileges. So, I want you to worship Jesus. Don't look around. What Can he trust you? Are you so distracted and so divided that Jesus is saying, this one, ah, oh my God, he's, he's, he's so split into two. I don't know which parts to take. Can you present yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus? Can you seek him and love him with all your heart? He gave the totality of himself. You can give him half measures. 
Let's worship him. Let's sing that song before we see that. Let's make it very solemn. Let's take it one more time. Come on and lift your hand. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How we worship you, Lord. How we worship you. For every breath we breathe in, which is gift of life, a flow from your fountain, the fountain of living water, the fountain of liquid fire, cascading light that flow like a stream, 
is what we breathe in, is what we soak in from you. For every breath, we breathe out worship. We release adoration. We breathe in your grace, your love, and your truth. We breathe out, we express in gratitude our love, our affection, our worship, our adoration. We say, blessed be your name. We, we bless you. We say, our souls bless you. And we speak to our souls. We say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. We say, our hearts are united to bless you, to praise you. And we say to the heavenly host, we say to the angels that excel in strength, the mighty angels, we say, join us in blessing the Lord. You that perform his counsel, you that hearken to the voice of his word, we join all of creation. We join the four living beings the 20 and four elders around the throne. All of the hosts of heaven. The spirit of just men made perfect. We join all of the saints on earth. To worship you, Lord. To bless you. As our king. As our Lord. As our maker. We enthrone you. Whereas well, you take us further, that as you take us deeper, we'll be able to rise higher. Let no one be left out. Let no one be cut off. Grant us that the eyes of our hearts, our inner eyes, the eyes of our understanding, be enlightened, be, that our hearts be flooded with light. We begin to see heavenly realities, kingdom realities. Teach us the matters of the kingdom. Teach us the principles of the kingdom, the manner of the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom. That we, as we embrace the kingdom, you bestowed on us. We'll be able to apply fully the powers, the principles, the privileges, and enjoy the prospect that your glory may be revealed in us and through us as never before. That all eyes will see that even kings. By reason of our lives, nations will bow and worship you. Do more than we can ask, blessed Holy Spirit. We trust you to exceed our expectation. To surprise us, even as you supply grace. We'll receive all this and much more. In Jesus' name. And let the people of God say a big amen. 
Let's say praise the Lord. Come on, give somebody a high five and say, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. Welcome to the heavenly kingdom. God bless you. Let's be seated. Hallelujah. Serious issue this morning. And I want to stay on course. Because I came submitting myself. You know, Pastor Eric is very spiritually ruthless, inconsiderate. He's, he's a commander. He doesn't consider whether it's convenient or not convenient. So I had him one of the occasions said, let's drain him. Let's, let's take everything. I said, oh, my God. Let's say let nothing remain. Let's throw him back home. Empty. I say, into thy hand, I commit myself. Uba will be more considerate. Pastor Uba will just laugh. He won't make comment. Praise God. So you don't know whether she's draining you <laughs> or straining you. Or she looks at you and you have to keep talking. Right. Yeah, so I just submitted. Now listen, because you have to get what we're dealing with this morning. You're going to be excited, but it's beyond excitement. You're going to be excited, right? It's exciting. Let's, let's add something in the introduction to the scripture I just read. This morning, I'm dealing with the topic. Kingdom authority and the defeat of Satan. Kingdom authority and the, the defeat of Satan. There's a song... We used to sing. I asked them to sing it in a church Wednesday morning at the 5.30 a.m. service. I asked them to sing it. It's an old-time song. But when we were newly converted from the 70s to the 80s. So I, I don't hear much of the songs now. There are too many hype, hype songs. now. Okay, good, good songs. Now. It says... I have seen the downfall of Satan. Do they sing it in South Africa? I have seen, seen the downfall of Satan. Glory be to God. Glory be to Jesus. I have seen, seen the downfall of Satan. Glory be to God. Amen. Isn't that good? When I look at my front, I see Satan has fallen. When I look at my back, I see Satan has fallen. When I look at my right, I see Satan has fallen. When I look at my left, I see Satan defeated. I have seen, seen the downfall of Satan. Glory be to God. Glory be to Jesus. I have seen, seen. The downfall of Satan. Glory be to God. Amen. Today you're going to see this, the defeat and the downfall of Satan. It's a spectacle. Praise God. He doesn't want you to see that. But I'm anointed to show you that. Because I didn't read it, I saw it. 
didn't just read it. I didn't just read it. I didn't just hear it. I saw it. And you got to see it. Praise God. But uh, by way of introduction, just to add to that scriptures of uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 28, from where we read, right? Jesus said, because you continue with me, I'm, I'm bestowing a kingdom. I'm giving it to you. And he didn't say, I'm going to give it. I'm giving. He said, as my father gave me, I'm giving you. And it's going to progress. Right. If you read Matthew chapter 6, which we're very familiar with, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is what is popularly called the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Because Jesus has been healing people. It's, he started his ministry by proclaiming what John the Baptist proclaimed. I need to set my time. Because it's so conducive here, you can forget. So you know when it's night. Yeah, so this is amazing. Jesus, Jesus, God in the flesh, freshly anointed from heaven with the Holy Spirit without measure. Heaven opened. The Holy Spirit descended in form of a dove, not that a dove came. Some people draw the Holy Spirit like a dove. I'm sorry, but that's disrespectful. It's not intended, but that's it. He's not a dove. He has a nature like dove. He's gentle in operation like dove. The Bible didn't say dove descended. That's Matthew 3. The Holy Spirit descended like. Like. Isn't that so? If you say something came down like a bird or like a kite or like a plane, that doesn't mean it's a plane. And so now people draw <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Some churches, the Holy Spirit is the symbol of their ministry. Some turn his head down, some turn it up. <laughs> anyway, by the way, if, if the Holy Spirit is a dove, what should be the size? So I don't really agree with those small birds that represent the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he's also like a wind. He operates like wind. He's called Ruach in Hebrew, which is wind or breath. He's called Pneuma in, in Greek, which is also breath or wind. So if you really want to represent the Holy Spirit, don't use the dove alone. need to put the wind beside the dove. And he's like fire. As a matter of fact, he introduces a consuming fire. So you see that these are typologies. Or these, are, these are representations. These are symbols. These are symbolic. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's an entity. 
sounds very simple, but very basic. It's not an it. It's a he. It's another expression, another dimension of the expression of God the Father. The Almighty God is self-existing one that have always existed from eternity past and will always exist. That's what it means to be God. To have no beginning and have no end. So anyone that wants to know where God begins will get lost in seeking the past. Because never get to the end of it. If you want to dig to find out the base where God stands, you never return. If you want to go up to find out where is his limit, you are lost for who have lost you. You're gone. This morning the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, people trying to figure me out. And I was very curious. I think that's why my dad didn't allow me to be touching his radio. When radio talks, then there were no AC, I mean, no, no TV when we were growing up. I have to break the radio. I wanted to see who's talking inside. So he broke the radio open, and then he saw something like little, little injection, like some little, little stuff, chips. Then maybe that's where the guy talking is. So I discovered the more I wanted to get to the root of who is talking, the more I spoiled it. In. So the more you want to get to the root of God, the more you damage the process. Even you are damaged in the process. If you can find him out, then he's not God. If you can figure him out, then he's not God. It means he's at the level of your brain box. He's the source of everything. Everything came out of him. It's like your child wanting to know, okay, mom, who is your mom? You say, well, Mrs. So-and-so. Then who is your mom's mom? Granny. Yeah, you say, Mrs. So then who is the mom of the mom, mom, mom? Then you keep going and keep going and keep going. Maybe you get to Eve. Then who is Eve's mom? Then Eve would say, Holy Spirit. Then who is Holy Spirit's mom? It never ends. By the way, do you know that Eve and Adam were the only human beings that didn't have belly body? You've never thought about that. They never had belly body. Because they were never in the womb. Come on, doctor. Doc, come, come. Bail me out. You have to explain to us. He's a gynecologist. They don't have belly body. So we imagine that the grandchildren, children of uh, Shet, because Cain killed a bear. And maybe, I don't know if Cain's grandchildren. Anyway, grandchildren are playing with Adam and Eve, and they see their own belly button. I say, Grandpa, where's your belly button? Grandma, where's? I say, we don't have. Why? We were never in any womb. We came out of God. End of such. <laughs> anyway, so 
the Holy Spirit, listen, is God expressing himself in a spirit form, in a spirit dimension. God first expresses himself in a father dimension. So there is the fatherhood of God. That's why you say God the Father. It's not that there are three people. It's one God expressing himself in three forms, in three dimensions. Did you get that? That's to resolve the crisis of Trinity. At a time, he was not Jesus. He was not Son. There was no God the Son. God wasn't expressing in form of a Son. He was expressing as word. So he expresses as father. Father means source from which everything came. Source and sustainer. Did you get that? But there was no son. There was just the word. So that same God that expresses as father also expresses himself as word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. So at that beginning, you're not going to see son. The word of God was just the only thing that was present. And that's the God expressing. In another form, he expresses a spirit. And spirit is like wind, it's like breath, it's like air. It's invisible. You cannot hold it, you cannot stop it, you cannot cage it. It's spirit. Jesus said, when you want to baptize people, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. It actually means in the nature. Baptize them into the nature of the Father. Baptize them into the nature of the Son. And baptize them into the nature of the Holy Spirit. To baptize, to dip somebody into something. Submerge them into the nature. But he places the Holy Spirit on the same pedestal with the Father and the Son. So if the Holy Spirit is it, then the Father is it. Did you get that? If the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. If the Holy Spirit is God and the Father is God, the Word that became flesh and you call Jesus is God. And it's one God expressing all this form. So there are no three gods, excuse me. There's one God that expresses in this form. And he does it simultaneously. Because he's omnipresent. It's a mystery. But see, that should not be difficult to understand. Uh, is, it this is this too complex? No, no, we're making it simple, right? Listen to this. There is one son. There's one Jesus, right? There's one Christ, the anointed one. But your Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says he's born that one who was word before. He's born first as a child. So there was a time the eternal word was in the child form. Is that right? Same person. He manifested in form of a child. But he started as a fetus in the womb. 
And he's still as much as the world as he was. He's also called seed. A child was born, and he grew up, became a son with government upon his shoulder, and he was given. Same person. He expressed his child form, and there's still the childhood of God. There's still the child dimension of God. The incarnation is a principle. As a matter of fact, it can be reenacted. Every time you receive the word, you are supposed to conceive it like Mary. Let the word become flesh and you birth another Jesus, another Savior. So the child dimension of the world still exists. It's not historical. Only. Then he was given as his son with God made upon his soul. And look at that. His name is called Wonderful Counselor. A better translation is a Wonderful Counselor, not just Wonderful Counselor. He's wonderful counselor. He's wonderful in counsel. So, when he's operating in the counsel of heaven, when he's counsel, when he's giving strategies, a better translation, either amplify or message calls him uh, something like strategist. That wonderful counselor. Can you look for it? Is it that amplify? Or message Bible. Yeah, we've doubled into, doubled into some stuff now. Where are you? Which one is this? This message? What did they call him? Amazing cancel. How about uh, amplified? Amplified version. Thank you. What did he say here? Wonderful counselor. Uh, okay, just keep checking. Check um, NLT or Young Literal Translation. You need multiple translations to decode some stuff, okay? Don't stay with one translation. It's like, it's like a diamond that you need, or a puzzle, you need different pieces. This amplify, which other one do you have? You can check it on your own if you can get it. So he's wonderful counselor. He's also mighty God. That child, the one that manifested as a child, became a son that is wonderful counselor. He's also mighty God. You get it, So, when he was a child on the laps of Mary, he was also mighty God. But he just suspended the expression of the mightiness of God at that point. Right? And his ever that child is also everlasting father. So now, what don't you understand about Trinity? His everlasting father and his ruler of peace. So even the son is multidimensional. Listen, God is too vast to be put in one dimension. Hello. There's no one dimension that can contain him. It will burst. Praise the Lord. So it's not a need. I just I bless up the Holy Spirit. Start, start dealing with the Holy Spirit. Not just the way you deal with Jesus. Because he's the, he's the Lord of this dispensation. He's the one Jesus left behind. 
you want dealing with us and all the dirty stuff we're doing. He should be respected. He puts up with so much. He's the one that stands by us, that cancels us, that reminds us, that convicts us. You get what I'm saying? That teaches us. He's the one. The Bible says, the Lord we're dealing with now is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord. Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father, of the throne of majesty. The Spirit is here. That's how, that's how it works. So respect the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus in form of a dove, I said, not a tiny little bird. The best of my imagination is that something bigger than a Boeing jet in shape of a bird, but massive. See, for something to be descending, and you can see it clearly, far away, must be very big. And it came and enveloped Jesus. So it wasn't something dropped on his head. <laughs> they do get the religion just twist this thing. So after the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says without measure, submerged him, took him over. He lost control. Did you remember that Jesus didn't tell Mother Mary that I wasn't coming back after baptism that day? He didn't. It's like, let me just get to Jordan, to John. I'll be back. I'll be back. Holy Spirit came, took over. <laughs> Led him to go face Satan in the desert for 40 days, 40 nights. When the Holy Spirit takes over, things change. The reason he can't take over is we don't want to adjust our agenda, our itinerary. We're so fixated. Now, he doesn't take over and you tell him that, you know, I have, you know, I already have things worked out. You have to let go. So anyway, he takes over. By the time he came back, the first thing Jesus was going to preach was exactly what John the Baptist preached when the Holy Spirit came on him. And Jesus didn't say, they won't recognize me as Savior. Hmm? Word for word, repent. The kingdom of heaven is around, or the reign of heaven, or the reign of God. Word for word. Because if it's the same spirit, I say the same thing. The spirit says, come. The bride says, come. Let everyone that hear what the Spirit is saying or what the bride is saying say the same thing. You don't need to try to be creative if you want to be authentic. <laughs> Just be real. He is the word that became flesh. Before John the Baptist baptized him in water, he baptized John in the womb of the mother. You forgot? This is elementary Sunday school. <laughs> Jesus had just arrived in Mary's womb. And the angel says, well, Mary, if you want to understand what is happening to you, Auntie Elizabeth is going through some stuff. 
similar, from the same spirit. That's why Mary didn't go to Joseph first, didn't go to her dad, to her mom. They won't understand. So when the Holy Spirit starts working in you, on you, look for someone experiencing something of the same frequency. If not, they will confuse you. Your friends are not likely to understand. Your parents, due respect. It has to be someone that is in touch with something of the same source. And the angel says, the only person that can understand what is happening to you now is Elizabeth. Because after menopause, after menopause, you know, women enter into menopause, men enter into menostop. Doctor, add that to your summary. It's, it's not in the book. You guys have not read that point? Women, when they enter menopause, they can no more conceive. All right. They can no more, no more monthly, right? When men enters, it stops. When it pauses, it can still come on. You know, you pause your radio, and then you can. Yeah? <laughs> That's what. Menostop means has stopped. That's over. So the woman, menopause, the man, menostop. And the Holy Spirit said, it doesn't matter whether it's pause or stop. I quicken your mortal body. So the Holy Spirit said, see, the difference is, Mary, you're a virgin. No man had affair with you. You got pregnant. This woman have entered menopause. The man could not pregnate anymore because he's pregnant. Right? Huh? There are miracles. There are miracles. Not Elizabeth, not Zachariah, the husband, could explain. Your problem is there's something you're experiencing from God, and you are going to people that have no contact, no experience. They're talking their own opinion and theories. They distort the whole thing, complicate the process. And if you're not careful, they abort the pregnancy you're carrying. Listen to me. There are things people are experiencing that it will take someone like me to understand. Because of what I've gone through. I don't even want people to know because it's too much demand. Doctor, you want to be going to the theater every day, every hour? You, want the, you don't want break. 24-7. You just want to be doing the surgery, right? There are times you, don't want, you want less demand. You just need a break. Isn't that so? It is when your hand is not full, you want people to know and you want... You are di distributing your complimentary card <laughs> and put a big signboard. And it has to be me that we do it. Anyway, come back. So, why Jesus just started arriving in the womb? Mary ran to Elizabeth. John was already six months in the womb. By the way, that will help you know the reason why. Either your marriage is delayed or you're married, you couldn't get a child on time. 
It has to do with what God has proposed for you. See, divine purpose is timed on earth. If the child you're going to conceive and birth is to fulfill a vital purpose on earth, there's a time the child must be conceived and arrive. It can't happen anyhow. If that the marriage you are to enter into is divinely ordained to fulfill a purpose here on earth, there's a time segment. And you can't bend it. This is why the prayer and the devotion and everything uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth was doing for decades did not get them pregnant. No doctor could make Elizabeth conceive. Because the pregnancy must not arrive before time. Once he's pregnant, it's six months for the Messiah to start in the womb. She can be conceived earlier than six months to the arrival of Jesus in Mary's womb. Do you get that? There's something that, that is meant for you that is tied to something greater. So six months to the arrival of God, the son in the womb, Elizabeth got pregnant. Right? When the child was six months, God arrived in the womb of Mary and said, well, Elizabeth will understand because she's been experiencing this now for six months. So Mary went and said, hi, Auntie Elizabeth. Elizabeth said, shh. You are the mother of my Lord. She hasn't had anything. You carry my Lord. Because the moment I heard your voice, the baby in me lived, was anointed and got so excited. And the thing that filled the baby is filling me now. That's how I know you are the mother of my Lord. Listen, which means the reason you don't know the will of God is that you have not experienced this activation. You don't need much explanation when this activation takes place. When you see the will of God, you will know it. Did you get what I'm saying? It's an inner dynamics. How does he know that Virgin Mary is now mother of my Lord? He's pregnant. He's carrying my Lord. No cell phone. I know the way you are thinking. Okay, she got it by Instagram. <laughs> None of the above. Nothing. Those days you have to travel literally to pass message to, from one place to another. And it can take days, right? Anyway, so it was Jesus in the womb that baptized John in the womb. That's why John could baptize him with water. It's only what he gives to you, you can give him back. Did you get what I say? <laughs> so anyway, that's why John started preaching the message Jesus gave him in the womb. <laughs> so when, when John finished preaching, Jesus said, thank you very much. Good introduction. Now the real chapter can start. 
But as we were saying before, the kingdom is here, and this is the king of the kingdom, and you repent. Praise the Lord. But we've been trying to say that kingdom is the, is the reign of God, is the rulership of God, is the sphere of the influence of God. And it's not going to be only. It has started. You together. The prophets and the law continue before John came. The moment John came, the kingdom started. Did you get that? And people have been pressing and entering. Not when they died. Once they hear, once it's well preached, people enter. Including prostitutes. The most unlikely people. Who might not be in church. If the kingdom is presented and proclaimed to them, they press in. Hello. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, if we're dealing with kingdom, we should have no worries. So what you should, one thing you should do before you leave this place is to bury all your worries. You don't carry your worries, your, your, your anxieties. And what, what's the other word for it again? Your stress, your anticipation, and uncertainty, and fears, your burdens, you don't carry them into kingdom. You have to drop them. At the point where you come in contact with someone that says, kingdom is here, first thing to do is drop all your worries. Drop all your fears. That's why Jesus... So, in presenting the message of the kingdom, it's called the Simon on the Mount which is recorded in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, right? Why is he called Mount, uh, Simon on the Mount? As he began to proclaim that kingdom is here from where John stopped and miracles were happening, people were being healed and crowd was following. When Jesus saw the crowd, he said, no, we can't do kingdom in the valley. It's not a mob action thing. We need to go to another level. Help me push your customer and say kingdom is at another level. Push somebody, say, come up to kingdom level. It's above the crowd. It's above the multitude. It's above their mentality. So in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, when Jesus saw the multitude because they've seen miracles and signs and wonders and healing, Jesus said, now, let's go to kingdom level. Let's go to kingdom level. So he climbed the mountain. He went up on the mountain. Everything Jesus did communicated something. He's saying this kingdom is you. We can't do it at this level. Because everybody can gather at the valley. But not everybody can go to the mountain top. You asked for it. This guy didn't allow me to sleep in the night. So if I don't preach well, hold him responsible. He bought a ticket, came from Cape Town. I thought because he loved me, I didn't know that this is strategy. <laughs> anyway, so he wanted me to say this. 
You know, I said something yesterday, and I said, mm, I don't want to say it because I don't want you to exalt me beyond measure, and I don't want tongues in my flesh. Did you remember? So he, he says that's what he wants to hear. And we're on 12 midnight, 1 a.m., whatever. I refused to tell him. So I think he kept praying that I should not have rest of mind. I should not. And God said, don't give him a loan. Tell them. Don't give you the details. But I saw a vision. Friday night or Saturday morning. And the Lord was using me in order to teach me. Many times when he's using you, he's teaching you. Did you get it? As I'm talking, I'm learning. So he was using me to teach my wife, to instruct her. You heard that I used to fly in the spirit. But you don't know how it happened. So let me show you. It's, it's very simple. Now, the truth is the matter, of the matter is that I used to see myself flying in the spirit. So I go to places without airplane. I mean, visit some of our pastors, some of our churches. And I would see myself navigating and how to land and how to take off and go, you know. But I, I never saw how it started. So if you ask me, how do you start flying? I don't know. But when it needs to happen, I just see myself take off. You do get the point. So now, Friday night into Saturday morning, I saw me instructing my wife. Probably she's been wanting to know also. And I say it's very simple. So I took her to a very high place, like top of a very high-rise building. I said, you can't fly except you go to a high place. Then when you jump, the spirit will take over from there. As I was teaching, I realized that's true. See, the big aircraft cannot just take off <laughs> from where it is parked. It needs to move to a position. Is that right? So there's a position from where you take off. That's why when Jesus wanted to experience the, of another taste of kingdom here and manifest it to three disciples, he said, let's go to the mountaintop. Kingdom issues don't happen in the pits, in the valley. You just need to step up the lake. May you get it. So that's why when he wanted to talk about kingdom here, he took them to a mountain. <laughs> we can do religion in the valley, in the pit, in the dust, but we don't do kingdom here. Kingdom, you have to step up. It says, come up, Peter. And I'll show you things about kingdom. Arise, shine. If you want to attract kings, you don't remain in the dust and frustration and prostration. That's kingdom. Let me add something. Kingdom matters. It's above material things. It includes, it brings material stuff. As, as side effect. Are we talking side effect? In the kingdom, prosperity is 
prosperity is tools. If you don't know that money and material things are tools for the kingdom, then you are a fool. It's not the real thing. It's just a tool. It's a means to an end. It's not the end. So we're not in kingdom and talking kingdom because we want things. Those things are tools to be used for kingdom. Did you get it? If not, once you think to get things and money is what kingdom is all about. You don't know they are tools. They are means to an end. You are a fool. You just made a big fool out of yourself. And Proverbs 1, I think verse 30 or somewhere there, he says the prosperity of a fool will destroy him. Prosperity without purpose, without kingdom purpose, ends in foolishness. Ends in confusion. Hello. So, listen. God said to Abraham, we're opening many, many sites, websites now. But just maintain the link. Are you maintaining the link? So God said to Abraham, yeah, you've been offering me some sacrifice. That's good. Uh, yesterday was great. Tomorrow morning, take your son Isaac, the one you love, your only one. By this time, Ishmael has been sent out of the house. Okay? God was still specific. In case Abraham pretend to say, there are adopted sons that I love. God said, Isaac, the one you love, the one you ever lived for to get, the one that is holding your whole future. Take Isaac, go to a mountain, I will show you. And offer him there. A mountain. Tell somebody that's a kingdom dimension. When you want to deal with kingdom, you can't give your offering and show your seed in any church, in any program, any, you know, any prosperity preacher, any TV, something. Say, go to the phone now, call now, show the seed now, call now, call now, call now. You have to find the right mountain. And <laughs> so I know some of you respond to that. That you want this program to be on air. You go to the phone now. The anointing is very fresh. Hallelujah. To cancel your debt. Hallelujah. But we are in debt. You show your seat now. Go to the phone now. I feel the anointing. Hallelujah. If God did not encounter me and deliver me, all of you will be broke. I do it better than Americans. When the anointing started in my life, and people saw it, they started coming. Oh, this anointing can respond. This anointing can make people give whatever. And the Lord told me, I didn't give you anointing to respond. I gave you anointing to raise sons. He says, when you raise sons, when you raise people, funds will drop. If you concentrate on raising funds, you bring people down. That's why I don't raise funds. And every pastor that made a mistake to have to come and raise funds, they regret it. 
They go, okay, forget about it. So that I can get good invitation. And some of you want to ask people to invite me. So, Abraham had to go to a mountain. He's been doing religion. He's been worshiping God. But God said, now we need to go to another level. Take your son to a mountain. Very interesting. Genesis 22. The Bible says, they were going together with the servant and with some donkey. Those are the cars. Those are the vehicles. Right? And they got to a point, God said to Abraham, that's the mountain there. That mountain. So Abraham said to the servant, stay with the donkeys. With the vehicles. I and the son, the lad, we go yonder further. I call it going extra mile. Gem, G-E-M. If you want to be a gem, you have to go further. Don't wait where the servant stay with vehicles, with donkeys. Don't stay where believers just stay and celebrate. I got a new car. I got a new house. <laughs> God put butter in my bread, put sugar in my tea. <laughs> That's not kingdom level. Kingdom is that you've experienced all that. Now you're going beyond. Did you get that? Oh, Lord. I, if I prove this to you, it's so real. I've said it in many ways. Listen, there's an anointing that God won't give until we go beyond the level of poverty and prosperity. As long as we're still struggling with poverty and, 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 and scheming for prosperity. There's a dimension of kingdom God won't give us. You know why? Listen. George chapter 228 that says, I'll pour out my spirit. He said it will come to pass afterward. Afterward. So which means after certain things has happened. Did you get that? Till John, I mean, Joel 228, which was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It will come to pass afterwards, after these things. Then I'll pour my spirit upon our flesh. Listen, when I pour my spirit upon our flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. As they have their eyes open, and they're seeing the realm of the spirit. They're seeing the future on the inside. Old men will dream dreams. They have to sleep to see. But young men, they are awake, they're seeing. Then he says, upon the, your male servant and your female servant, I will pour my spirit. What you didn't notice there is this. When the spirit is poured out, hello, sons and daughters prophesy. Young men that are like Joshua, serving Moses to fight war, they see visions. Old men that have served and retired, they dream dreams. Servants. Male servant, female servant, they receive the same outpouring, but there is no effect. Also, on my men servant and my maid servant, I will pour my spirit in those days. So, what happened to the men servant? When it happened to sons and daughters, they prophesied. Young men saw vision, old men dream dreams. Servants, what do they do? They remain in bondage. 
Because they're not established. Servants don't abide forever. Only sons abide. So there are things you don't give them. It's not you. It's just your Bible. <laughs> All right, come back, come back, come back. Come back, come back. Listen, listen, listen. But go back to 28. Thank you. Is it PD or Joshua, whoever? Yeah. See, go back to 28. It shall come to pass afterward. After, when you read afterward, in, my, in our Bible school, Pastor Eric is one of the, the lecturers. He travels in. How long do you do your lecture every year? One week. Look. We'll make it three weeks. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm the president. Whatever a church shows, that's how she reap. <laughs> All right. So, in a Bible school, whenever you read the Bible and say afterward, you have to find afterwards. If you see therefore, you say, what is there before the therefore? If you say but, then that's a contrast against what? If not, you won't get it. So when he says afterward, I will promise you afterward. He says there have been famine. There have been, you know, people were lamenting and fasting. And then God said, okay, don't fear. I will give you the former and the latter rain in one month. And prosperity will come. The ground will be full. Are you listening? And he says, in verses 26 and 20, 27, he said repeatedly, when I prosper you because you have prayed and fasted and you have broke through poverty and famine and economic crisis, he says, then you shall eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, which means your prosperity and turn around with a wonder. He has done wonderfully with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Which means poverty and lack bring shame. And it has to be resolved. Next verse, verse 27, he repeats, and you shall know. Which means there's how you can know God until you said to this. There are distractions. When you eat and you are satisfied, and you are praising me, and you are no more ashamed, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And I am the Lord your God. And there is no other. So you won't make God out of people because you won't stop. There is no other. And my people shall not, never be put in shame. 28. Then, put 28. And it shall come to pass after all. So God is saying, I can't trust you with the outpouring of my spirit. And you have sorted out issue of poverty and prosperity. So the anointing is not meant to generate money. That's perversion. That's what Satan tried to ask Jesus to do. Use your anointing. Turn stone to bread and eat. Are we talking? The prophetic anointing, God can't trust some people with it. They have to fake it. Because God knows they're looking for money. Yeah. 
The reason I can see what I'm seeing and talk what I'm talking, I'm not in need. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. That's the truth. Hmm? There are things I don't like to talk about. So you don't think I'm one of those Nigerian preachers. One of your daughters, Irene, one of her daughters, one time I traveled and I didn't know where she walked and they conspired with my wife and with some internal conspiracy. I got back home and a brand new Jaguar car was waiting in my garage. Brand new. They had done a deal. They've given the best and they've cut off some things and all of that. And my wife, have, you know, she had some investment and I didn't know. The only thing I saw was the night I was going to go home, I saw that the car, I didn't see the car, was in the vision. So I, I, I got home, I called one of the guys, I said, is there anything about car? They were shocked. <laughs> they said, it's supposed to be a surprise. I said, it's still a surprise. <laughs> now, listen, brand new Jaguar. It's still there. I don't think I've used it up to five, six, ten times. It's there. They say it's a, it's a beast. It's a wild. Some preacher will tell me if I have this car, oh my goodness. I will go everywhere. <laughs> now, I haven't recovered from that. few weeks ago, a few months, my wife said, now you've started faith to faith. And you're going to some cities to do crusades. So we need another thing in the class of Jaguar that is a bit higher. This has nothing to do with church. Nothing about church of church. As a matter of fact, the church are not aware of what I'm saying to you now. And one afternoon, my wife said, come down. Uh, the faith-to-faith vehicle has arrived. I said, which one? I got the Range Rover. Brand new Range Rover. I said, no, don't kill me. Please, 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 please. I haven't recovered from <laughs> I'm still trying to recover. She said, well, it has come already. So if um, I don't have pot belly, it's not because I'm hungry. I try. <laughs> I try to grow. Listen, listen, listen. I, I try to grow the pot belly so I can put a crucifix. Then you know I'm an anointed bishop. But the thing just refused to come. So in my village, they say, you know, the, the, the cat, pushy cat. What do you call them? Cat. Cat, right? You know, if you see American cats, have you seen them? <laughs> Have you seen American cats? If you see, you want to know real cats, organic cats, go to my village. And if they're very stunned, which one? And they eat all the rats. All of those American cats, they are fertilized cats. <laughs> they're not normal. So there is an adage in my place that the reason our cats are not big is not because they haven't eaten. It's just the way their parents are. Listen, if you have not 
prosper. There's spiritual power you can't handle. You have a simple story. You will pervert it. So don't seek anointing and fast because you want to prosper. You need to discover the keys, the principles. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Because in Micah 3, I think verse 5, it says there are prophets. If you put good things in their mouth, they will say, God bless you. They will prophesy good. If you don't put anything in their mouth, they say, God damn you. They will cause you. Put it there, Micah 3, 5. Put message Bible. Micah 3, 5, message Bible. So there's an anointing that God is reserving, even for the music industry. The music ministry, right? If you want to commercialize music, that's what God will not release. You will release our album, but not release from heaven. Anyway, look at this. Here is God's message to the prophets, the preachers who lie to my people. So there are prophets and preachers that lie. They don't prophesy, they prophesy lie. That's simple grammar, right? As long as they are well paid and well fed, the prophet preach. And they say, isn't life wonderful? Peace to all. But if you don't pay up and jump on their bandwagon, their God bless you turns to God damn you. We just read Bible. <laughs> There's a fixed rate if you're going to invite them. Some thousands of dollars. Minimum. And if you don't pay, there's how much they have to raise. And there's how much they have to sell of their wares. If the horse pastor don't cooperate, God bless you becomes God damn you. King James, New King James says, if you put something in their mouth, they will prophesy good. If you don't, they will curse you. So God has had enough experience. So he says, all of you that want to preach and prophesy, go and settle uh, poverty and prosperity before I release my spirit. <laughs> okay, so let's come back. How did we get into this? So Abraham told the servant, servant, stay with the donkeys. Son, let's go to the mountain. Son can walk with the father. Beyond where servants will stop. Servants enjoy staying with vehicles, with things. Sons enjoy walking with the father. And hearing the father's heart. And asking questions. And at this point, Abraham had taken the wood from the head of his servant. And I put it on the head of his son. And it represents how Jesus is going to carry the cross. 
as the beloved son. So you are not a real son if you can't serve. And remember, sonship is not gender sensitive. In, in the spirit, in the kingdom, there are no sons and daughters. There's no male or female. In Christ Jesus, there's no male or female. We all have inner man. Your spirit is made after the image of God. So you, are, you don't have female, inner female, inner woman. We together. It's your body that has male and female. The person on the inside is just like God. So when we're saying son, it applies to all. We're not talking of gender in the flesh. You get it? Come on now. <laughs> so anyway, so the son is carrying the wood. And he said, Dad, we're going to the mountain for the sacrifice. Where is the animal? We forgot the most important thing. Look at the wood. Look at the fire. You're holding the knife. And the father says, don't worry. God will provide himself, not for himself. We'll provide himself for sacrifice. It will manifest as the ram. When I sacrifice what I need to sacrifice. So then they go to the mountain. That's kingdom matter. I'm talking about kingdom authority. I don't want to excite you and just hear theories and you don't know how it works. Nothing just happened. Are we talking? So he gets to the mountain and the father says, son, you ask me a question. They've set the stage now. They've done the altar. The woods are in place. The knife is said, you, you were asking for the ram. You remember I told you how it's God that owns everything. My house gave us bread, life, and gave you how long I waited with your mom before he gave you. The reason he gave you is to worship him and to fulfill his purpose. Well, what he really wants now is for you to like him. You are that lamb. That's kingdom talk. He says I should sacrifice. It's difficult. But you don't argue with him. You don't have option. What I can assure you is, if we die when he wants us to die, he won't leave us dead. If, if we are ready to die the death he wants us to die, he won't leave us in death. As a matter of fact, I already saw the vision that you got up. So I and you are going to see the greatest miracle. We will do the most difficult thing. I will tie you. You will lie down. I will cut you. You will bleed and die. I will be bleeding in my heart. After that, you're going to get up. The Bible says he already saw him received back. The reason you can't give is because you don't see how it's going to work out. Well, I just try. I don't know how Abraham spoke to Isaac. Because Isaac was a teenager. If Isaac didn't want to cooperate, that, oh, is that why he brought me here with that mom? Did you tell me, mom? No, man. <laughs> to hell with such religion. What kind of an F girl would say that? That something is wrong. 
on the mountain, the man will have rolled down. Just imagine P.D. or Shema <laughs> with Pastor Eric on the hilltop. Who is going to come down? The guys are just cooperating. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, Shema. Oh. I don't know how Abraham communicated. And the guy said, Dad, I believe you. As a matter of fact, the Lord, I think I've been having some dream about it. I don't know. But he laid down. The man took the knife. God had to say, stop, stop. If God didn't shout, he would cut it. Stop. You are proving to heaven and earth and to hell that you love me. That I can confer kingdom on you. I just wanted you to demonstrate it. I know you, but I, you need to prove it to some. Observers. Because there is an adversary. There is an accuser. If I have just given it to you, the guy will say, I just wanted you to prove it. Somebody said, God wanted to see if he would do it. He knew he was going to do it. He said, now you're proving it. I swear by myself. And I thought a ninja said, uh, excuse me, you said we shouldn't swear. He said, that's you. <laughs> Because if you swear, you can't keep it. <laughs> what it means is that if I don't do what I say, I will stop being God. You will be a great nation. This, your seed, will be like stars and will be like sand. And we stop the gate of the enemy. And, and, this, and the whole world will be blessed. In order, I give you the kingdom of the world by faith. The servant was still with the donkey. This is kingdom matter on the mountaintop at the highest price. Help me push somebody and say, what can you lay down? That's different from free miracles. That's why Jesus said, let's go to the mountain. Let's go talk some kingdom talk. So, when Jesus got there, he started talking to them about kingdom. Hallelujah. Among the things he said, he gave what is called the manifestos of the kingdom. He reeled out the agenda of his government and gave the principles and the values and also revealing the process. That's why some of the month for Canaan people is like it doesn't make sense. That's not valid stuff. Did you get what I'm saying? So you get a chapter 6, and he now says, you don't worry when you come to this level. Do you know that as Abraham was climbing with Isaac, thinking how he's going to go and sacrifice Isaac, every step of obedience, there was a ram also climbing from the other side. You don't worry and say, so now, if I really get here now, and this boy don't cooperate, God, so what am I going to sacrifice? You just obey. Because God is able to provide for himself, provide himself, and meet all your need. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when we're dealing with kingdom, you don't talk about what will I eat. 
to do the will of God. What will I wear? How about how, how will I solve this? Once you are at that level, you, you are up kingdom frequency. And those are legitimate needs that need to be met. But if you have stepped higher in kingdom dimensions, you should have known that your father, king of kings, lord of law, has gotten that sorted. When you are trying to get into government house to become uh, the president or whatever you want to become, your worries is not when I get there now. Where will I get money to spend? Once you get there, it's the issue. Once you get there, everything is taken care of. Are we talking? So, same thing in Luke chapter, see, Luke chapter 12 is the parallel, is Luke's presentation of Matthew chapter 6. So, look at Luke 12, verse 32. If you read the previous verses, Jesus was saying, don't worry what you eat. That's what the Gentiles, those who are not in kingdom, who don't know God, that's what they think about. So, Luke 12 has presented that up to this point. If you read the previous verses, then Jesus now say, do not fear, little flock. Why should you not be? So, when you are dealing with kingdom, throw away your fear. Throw away your worries and throw away your fears. Before this, he has said, seek the kingdom first and his righteousness. Everything you're worrying about will come. When you embrace the kingdom, not after you die. Come on now. And in Matthew 6, 33, says it so clearly. Seek first. Instead of worrying. Seek first how to understand the kingdom. How to possess the kingdom. How to embrace the kingdom. How to live by the principles of the kingdom. All the things you worry about shall be added. So question is this. Those things we worry about is what to eat, what to wear, house, whatever, basic need, right? So if Jesus said those things will be added, is it after death? Yeah, I just want us to think. Come on, come on. The people here are not helping me. Where are you? Are you there? Are you there? Okay. Come on. Look at that. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. When are you supposed to seek the kingdom? When? You do it first. When? No, no. After death? So, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what? And his, when should you seek his righteousness? No, when? Now. Not after we're gone. Well, I mean, you, once you die, you don't need to seek his righteousness. Is that right? Right? Okay, so now, if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, what will happen? What are these things, the things you need? When will they be added? So stop procrastinating. Both kingdom and righteousness and prosperity can come now. Sink that in. So back to Luke 12, 32. So he said, don't be afraid. Because what I ask you to seek is what the Father is pleased to give you. And your size is not relevant. Don't fear because you are little. Don't fear because you are few. Don't fear because you don't have enough money in the account. 
Don't fear because you live. If you, if you seek the kingdom and the righteousness. The point is this. The father is more willing to give to you. Than you are able to seek. So you don't need to stress yourself and say, well, we can't handle kingdom for global impact except we become 5,000 membership. He said, why are you still little flock? The father wants to give it. I wish you got it. You can be a teenager and you can get kingdom. <laughs> now we saw in 22, Luke 22, 29, where we read, Jesus said in 20, now 28, he said, because you have continued with me, I am now conferring. What I ask you to seek. So because he didn't ask you to seek him in vain. He didn't ask you to seek him and say, well, when you die, we now figure out whether you deserve it or not. Following me and seeking the kingdom so far, qualify that I confide on you. The way my father confided on me. So before we touch any other stuff, I want you to stand up for a moment. This is so basic. If you get this and sink it in, and I know you're getting it. As a matter of fact, it's been installing you right now. It's a download. There's an upgrade. You know, God is both upgrading your system and uploading you with new stuff. So you come to kingdom level. Take a moment. Close your eyes. Put your hands on your chest. Don't, don't be distracted. Tell God what you really want. From your heart. I really want This matters of the kingdom. I don't want to play religion. I don't want to remain in the valley. I don't want to continue in uncertainty, in doubt, in fear, in worries. In pretension. I really want the kingdom. I choose kingdom. My Lord and my God. On someone, your heart is crying. Say, Lord, take me to the mountain top. Take me higher. I'm sick and tired of remaining in the dust, in the pit, in the valley. I don't want to stay at the level of servants and donkeys. And mundane material things. I want something bigger. That make for more significance. I don't just want material and financial success. I want a life of significance. I want a life of impact. I know your... Talk to God for me. God, I know your seed is in me. Your nature is for me to be great. I don't want to remain... In the dust. I hear someone saying. I mean I hear God saying to someone. 
I'm calling you to come out of the dust. To rise from the sand. Come to the sky. Come to the firmament. Through the mountain top. So you shine as stars. From today. You will become a shining star in the firmament of life. You no longer remain in the doors. You no longer remain in the sun. Rise up! I speak to your spirit. I speak to your soul. Rise above your struggles. I command everything that holds you down and tie you up. Break in the name of Jesus. By the blood of the everlasting covenant, you're coming out of your prison. You're coming out of the pits. You're coming out of the waterless pits. By the blood that flows from Calvary Hill, by the fountain that flows from the throne of God, the blood of life. The flow of liquid fire is breaking your chains. It's breaking your shackles. The shackles around your spirit. The psychological shackles around your mind. All the falsehood and the misconception and the condemnation and the accusation. All your confusion. All the mess that be created in your life. All your error and mistakes. All your frustration and regrets. The blood of Jesus liberates you. You are loose. You have been lifted. You are free to rise. Rise up. You are to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are to be a star in the firmament. You will not remain in the dust. You will not remain in poverty. You will not remain in failure. You will not remain in sin. You will not remain in struggle. Rise up! The Lord is calling you. Come out! Come forth! Come to kingdom level. Some of you are like Joseph in the prison. You're not supposed to be in prison, but you've been in prison. The king said, go and bring, the, the, go and bring him to the palace. He shouldn't be in the pit. He shouldn't be in the prison. And once the word of the king comes, you are free from your imprisonment. I come with the word of the king saying, come out of your prison. Some of you are like Mephibosheth. You have been crippled by past experiences from childhood. You've been in Leodeba where there is no communication. In the place of isolation. Oh, Lapaka Dirahanda Kutoshaya. In a place of hopelessness and helplessness. And you see yourself like a dead dog. But the king said, go and fetch him. I remember my covenant. Go and fetch him. Go and fetch him. Bring him up here. Bring him to my table. 
There is a table prepared. You don't need to struggle. Bring him to my table. Cover him with garment, with royal garments. Put the ugly feet under the table. Let him appear as a prince with the king on the table. Jesus said, you sit with me and eat on my table. Listen, a miracle just happened in your life. A miracle just happened in your life. A miracle just happened. At last. At last. Listen, 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 listen. The same way your struggle has been so frustrating and so mysterious, you couldn't even explain it. Why is my life like this? Why do I do the things I do? Why couldn't I? Why haven't I been able to free myself and rise up and do what I know I should do? Why, why, why? People that are not even up to my level, they're doing better. I know I'm better than them. I can't explain it. It's a mystery. But the Lord said to tell you, the same way from today, your success, your breakthrough, your progress, your prosperity, kingdom power and authority in your life, it's going to be a miracle. People will not be able to explain it. Even you, you will say, well, I, I know I had an encounter with God. I, I can't explain. It's not me making it happen. This is beyond me. It is the last doing. And it's going to be marvelous. Everyone will know. And even you will know. That but for God, but, but God, no one would have done this. No one could set me free. No one could lift me up. No one could change my life but God. And he has done it. He's not going to do it. He has done it. He's going to play out. The Lord said to tell you, listen carefully. Listen. For a long time, many of us have been like rats. Open your eyes. Look at me. Sit down. Many of us, you've been going about like rats. You've been struggling in the holes, in the dust. Rats stay at dust level, isn't that? They stay in holes. And when they come out, they're looking for, for leftovers, isn't that? Rats. God told me that many of my children... I've been like rats. Now, you have been loosed. You've been liberated, being transformed, being lifted as you're, you've been transformed as you've been lifted from rats to stars. Listen before you shout. What you don't realize is that the same number of alphabet that spell rats is what spells stars. Not just the number, the same alphabet, the same character, and the same number. What is the spelling of rats? R-A-T-S. What is the spelling of stars? S-T-A-R-S. Stars. Same, same alphabet. So it's a matter of rearrangement. 
So what God has been doing is to rearrange our life. To change your mindset from rats to stars. Stars don't struggle in the dust. Stars don't hide in holes. They shine. Okay, we need to see. Let me give you some few points, then we'll pray. Did, did, this, did it get through for you? You need this point about Satan's defeat and your kingdom authority. Let me just read it through to you. Can you see, take some? Are you choking? Blessed be God. Now, to, to understand kingdom authority and to understand these realities, number one, I want to give you just some few points. Number one, identify what we lost at the beginning. What was lost at the beginning. This is very critical. If you don't know, if you don't know what is lost, you won't know how to find it. And you won't know when you have found it. So, number one, identify what was lost by humanity in the beginning. Are we together? I need your response. Either your heads, your eyes, your mouth, some... Are we together? So what's number one? In the beginning. Okay, so this is what was lost in two versions. And you can search scriptures on your own because if I want to, every time I open scripture, I get tempted to go to other places. And it's good temptation. So I'll give you the points and you'll search out the scripture. Okay? In the beginning, what man lost was the image and the likeness of God. In another word, the nature of God. That was the first thing that was lost in the Garden of Eden. You need to get it. It sounds simple. See, scientists will tell you, once you get the principles right, can figure out the rest. Thank you. So listen to this. When God was going to make man, he said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. That's Genesis 1.26. Are we on the same page? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. In other words, according to our nature. And he's talking of the inner man. Are you getting it? So it's not a matter of complexion. <laughs> and it's not a matter of height or size. It's an inner thing. Because God is spirit. So he's saying, let man, what makes man to be man that dwells in this body, let it configure like us. Human should have the same mentality, the same nature, you get it, as God. Be on the same frequency, can resonate with God. Right? 
It says, let's make man in our image after our likeness. Then listen carefully. When man or human, when you say man, there's human, right? When human is made, is per se of creation, is made in God's image, in divine image and likeness, let them, let them have dominion. Now, it sounds simple, but we need to, I want to make the connection. You're going to see there is a grammatic problem here. Let us make man, human, one, singular, and let them. Can, can you put it on the screen? And Bible is not grammatically challenged. Let us make man, but we now know that man is human. It's a species of being in earth and death suit. In a body made out of death or dust. A species of being. It's called man. And it appears in singular here. Later you discover it actually means mankind. But here he says, when we make what we call man, in our image according to our likeness, let them, not let him. So, man is not fully in the image and likeness of God if he can't operate multidimensional. If he's solo, until he becomes pluralistic in nature, in expression, he's not fully in the image of God. So this is why after he made the man, Adam, and everything was okay, he says it's not good for the man to be like, he's not fully in our image. We need to split him to two. <laughs> Did you get the point? Think about it. You are not fully in the image of God when you are a lone ranger. You can't, you, you, you don't do teamwork. You are not a team player. You can't work with people that are not like you. Do you get what I'm saying? You only love yourself. You only agree with yourself. You can, you can only cooperate with yourself alone. That's a problem. So, it was when he become them that he could have dominion. And the reason he made man his image is to have dominion. So, balance the equation. Don't miss this. We're talking of kingdom. Kingdom is king's dominion. Right? Listen carefully. Which means the essence of dominion. Or kingdom is God's image and likeness. What you use to exercise kingdom authority, what you use to express dominion, or what gives you kingdom is not external thing, is the inner nature of God, is the likeness of God. Once you have it on the inside, you may have nothing outside. You have dominion. And dominion is the same word for kingdom. I need to be sure that it got through. Okay, you, when you meditate more, it will open up. <laughs> right, it's going to open up. This is very critical. 
Very tricky, but very critical. Now, progress to verse 28. 27 says, so he made man in his image. 26 is a statement of intention. 27, accomplished. He made man in his image. Male and female, he made them. Okay? And they were made in him. Now, after he made them in his image and likeness, he blessed them and said to them, let me tell you something, casual reader, don't, don't notice. When he made other creatures, he blessed them without speaking to them. He spoke about them. He just said, let the fishes in the ocean, let them be reproducing. Let the bird in the air, let them be reproducing. Let the creeping animal, let them be. He didn't speak to them. But when it was man, when he made them male and female, he said to them, he blessed them. He didn't bless him alone. There is a dimension of blessing you can't enter into until you become pluralistic. And if you don't know how to work well with your wife, you're just shortening your ration. Absolutely. If you say, but I know somebody, as a matter of fact, separated from his wife, I doesn't bother about his wife, and it's going on. That's just a child's play. The explosion that will have happened, if things were okay, will make that a child's play. Trust me. Hello. Tell somebody, he didn't bless him. He blessed them. Because him alone can't handle all the blessings. The reason you see hiding stuff from your wife is because the stuff is too little. It's going to get to a point you can't, you can't buy you tell, go handle and tell me how much you say. Absolutely, dog. Absolutely. I've been there, so I know. The Bible says Abraham didn't know what he has, except what Eliezer tells him. Now, when you get a kingdom dimension, you need to hire people, managers, accountants, that will be helping you figure things out. Do you know that Potiphar was not a Jew, was not a worshiper of God? When he discovered Joseph, the Bible says he didn't know anything he had anymore. Except the food Joseph brings to his table. So prosperity gets to a point. It's beyond what you attend to. The apostles, they say, we're not going to, we know money is coming. People are selling land, bringing stuff. They say, but it's a distraction for us to be handling it. They say, you look for anointed people, Holy Ghost, faith people. Let them handle this stuff. We, we stay in the cockpit. We stay in the boardroom with God. For 20-something years, I don't know what comes into our church. I don't know. They just, when I need to sign, tell me, where should I sign? I sign. Uh, we need to do this. What throws the balance? Is that enough? They say it's not enough. So check it very well. It's coming. Maybe it hasn't arrived. I don't know how much is offering, how much is tithe. Because I don't want my faith to fluctuate. I don't want the, 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 the reduction in the tithe and offering last Sunday to determine what I preach this Sunday. And I'm human. So keep the records, make sure it's well kept.
Right? They know. This is the truth. This is the truth. All right. That's why I'm, my wife says, you are the most relaxed president, founder, general overseer that I have ever known. Those are semantics. General overseer is G-O. It means go. G-O, isn't that? Go. All right, so look at this. He blessed them, not him. Even in business, until you learn how to collaborate, there are blessings you can't handle. That's what's killing Africans' company. Some people would rather be CEO over zero. <laughs> CEO, CEO over zero. Than to have a share, be a part of a thriving company. No, no, say, I'm CEO, I'm, I'm everything. I'm, and my, 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 my living room is, is a headquarters, it's a global office. I am the board of director. Minus my wife. In the entertainment industry, music, now you have to collab. Movie industry. Jesus said the children of this world are wiser. Luke 16 verse 8. It's an indictment than the children of light. In the global economy, lone rangers are not endangered species. Huh? They become the food of predators. What do you call that? Pray. I don't know what you say. In the global economy, you don't want to connect with anybody. You want to collaborate. You get what I'm saying? He blessed them. It's loaded. And how did he bless them? Saying to them, he didn't say, when he wanted to make other things, he said, let there be, let there be. This one said, let us make. Hands on. Molded them and breathed his life into them. He released his nature into them. And blessed them, saying to them, because they got to hear it and form the concept and see the picture in their mind for it to become a reality. The way God bless you is the way I'm doing now. He speaks to you and starts seeing the picture of what he has said. Once you capture the picture, you can reproduce it. So, if, if you can't sit down for God to speak to you, he can bless you. He's not going to drop dollar. He's not going to drop pounds. He's not going to drop euro. Oh, oh, sorry. There's British exit now. So, euros. You're struggling. <laughs> but it's still good, right? He doesn't drop nothing but speak to you. So you're not interested in speaking. You're not interested in blessing. The blessing comes in seed form. It shows it into you. They create pictures in you. Hello. So he blesses them. Let them. This is how he blesses them. He says, not let them. He says, be fruitful. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Who should I prophesy to? The anointing is moving. I feel like prophesy. Where should I go? He blessed them. How did he, listen, how did he bless them? Be 
Listen. If I say, be full of fruit, fruitful is full of fruit. You see a picture of a tree full of fruit. That's what it's trying to do. Be a tree full of fruit. Don't just see yourself like this. First and foremost, you are a tree in the realm of the spirit. Before you are human, flesh and blood. That's why the man that Jesus touched his eyes, and he asked, do you see anything? He said, I see men like trees. Oh, he said, you started seeing from the spiritual realm. Now, let's see the natural realm. Yeah, it started from the spiritual. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, the job was not well done. No, that was a mistake. I said, what do you see? And I said, I see men like trees. Oh, that's good. So you've seen the, the way they are in the spiritual realm. Now you need to see the natural so he touched him again. What do you see? He said, I see men like me. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> so you have to see yourself as three first. Now, be fruitful means you are a seed or you have a seed. It must grow to become a tree. And then the tree will produce fruit. And you just need to let the process continue. It doesn't happen by running around. So it's also putting principles in place. On how to prosper. I thought you got it. So if you are fruitful, you will multiply. Because in every fruit, there is a seed that can reproduce a tree. So you don't need to struggle to multiply. See yourself as a seed that becomes a tree that produces fruit that people benefit from. When they eat your fruit, there is a seed that is going to reproduce the tree. The fruit of the righteous is another tree of life. Proverbs 11.30. Are you getting the connection? Yeah. Once it connects, the light will turn on. Did you get the point? When it says be fruitful, it didn't mean generate money. Even though you are a tree of money. Money is not the fruit you bear. That's why I told you money is a tool. Houses, cars, they are not the fruit you bear. Every tree bears fruit after its kind. So to be fruitful is to be able to reproduce your blessed self. The fruit that the righteous bears is another tree of life. Because the righteous is like a tree planted by the river. So if you're fruitful, you will multiply. Because no tree feeds on its own fruit. And even if they don't like you, if they enjoy your fruit, when they throw away the seed, it will germinate and produce an animal. But those who are wise will not throw it away. They will plant it and nurture it. So just concentrate on being fruitful to benefit people. Then you will multiply. Then you will spread. You will, you will, you will replenish the earth. If you spread by being fruitful and multiplying and replenishing, you will subdue. That's kingdom. That's authority. Are we talking? You will subdue and have dominion. That's, that's there in verse 28. He blessed them, saying to them, be fruitful, multiply. Then 
replenish, spread, then you can sub. If you don't spread, you can't sub. You can't stay here and subdue nations. See, I'm, I have spiritual authority on this territory because I'm here. Because I have a fruit here. A tree of life here that is being fruitful. Generating other trees of life that will go to other places and do the same. That's how we subdue the earth and have dominion. It's not me jumping around. Come on now. I don't even want to travel. I've done too many travels. I just want to release more fruit. Did we get that? Do you see it's simple? It's not complicated. Right. Listen to God's definition of dominion. Dominions means kingdom. Kingdom means king's dominion. King's domain. The domain. The area where kings exercise his dominion authority. And God says the way to dominion or to having kingdom is have my image, my likeness, be blessed by letting my word form the great picture on you, give you the right vision, become a fruitful tree so you can multiply and spread and you subdue and have dominion. So what did man lose in the beginning? The image and the likeness of God. How did it happen? Listen. Satan, who didn't come as Satan, used a serpent. Right? I feel it's an artificial serpent. <laughs> Use a serpent. Satan came from another dimension. The serpent he used like a conduit to release the flow of his life by communicating to the mind of Eve. I wish you got this. I wish you got this. The life of Satan is a flow that comes through communication. It's an expression. The life of God is a flow that comes through communication by his spirit with his words. So when God was speaking to them, he was flowing to them. When the Bible says God breathed into them, it wasn't because his spirit, he spoke. You can read that in Psalm 33 verse 6 or verse 6 and verse 9. He says God created the earth by his breath, which is by his word. You do get it. Some people thought, so God came. I guess his own nostril would be so, would just blast. No, no, no. <laughs> he spoke. Huh? The way he breathed, put your hand in your mouth. Put your hand. Shout, kingdom. kingdom. What did you feel in your hand? Hot breath. So the way you breathe, when you speak, you are breathing. You are releasing your breath. So when God is speaking to you, he's breathing into you. Better still, he's flowing into you. When Satan is speaking to you, he's breathing into you. He's Whether through movie or through whatever, through internet or through phone, he's, he's flowing. Your phone, your whatever can be the channel through either Satan or God flowing. Come on, say, I see. So listen carefully. They were in the image of God, the likeness of God, in the process of being fruitful and multiplying and all of that to spread and have dominion. 
And Satan came and began to flow in. I saw it when I saw the Americans do capital punishment, executing people through letter injection. You know, they don't, they don't hang. They don't shoot. Right? There's a bed. They tie the guy in the bed and they put the, mm, the drip. <laughs> Death is a flow. As that thing just, as it begins to flow, once it Death is a flow. And it cuts off, it blocks the flow of life. So when Satan is communicating and flowing to you, it's letter injection. It's not to the flesh, it's to your spirit and your soul. But that's how God also released life. So the same way serpent came and brought the flow to bring his life. So they can lose the image of God and the likeness of God and the nature of God. Are we talking? And lose dominion. Jesus also came. That's why it's seed of the woman versus the serpent. What the serpent released, the seed of the woman brought life, the flow of eternal life. Not to mix with the nature of Satan but to flush it out. So what man lost was the image, the likeness, the life of God, which is dominion. That's what Jesus brought. It's called eternal life. It's called the manifestation of kingdom of heaven on earth. The expression of God's life in human body. Get it! In addition to that, you can't know what man lost when they lost that man. See, once Satan spoke to Eve, Eve started seeing God in a different way. Satan, through the serpent, mispresents the nature of God. He said, you can't trust God. God don't want the best for you. Did you get it? So once the image, the impression of God that she had changed, Satan has hijacked the plan. It's like someone hijacked your email, or your Facebook account, and reset the password. Now he can use it to do what he wants. That's what happened. Did you get it? So ma man, human being, lost the image, the nature, the knowledge of the true, of the true God. It's now distorted. And once that is lost, he can't even understand himself. They start accusing one another. Then they become, they start seeing themselves naked, they're hiding, they, you know, things are off now. But with it is loss of authority. Loss of dominion. Loss of glory. So when Satan came to tempt Jesus, to hijack him also, to reset his mind, If you are a child of God, use your anointing to feed yourself. Oh, he said, no, 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 no. I stay by what is written. Okay, now, chum, let's see if angel will catch you. He said, no, 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 I don't tempt God. And he said, okay, 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 forget about it. This is the written I wanted. Look at the glory. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 8, he showed him the kingdoms of this world and the glory. 
in a moment. He showed Jesus, how dare you say Satan cannot see the future? You can't show what you can see. He projects things to people. Satan saw Jesus, the kingdoms of this. Am I right? What did he show him? Talking to the same mother. Show him all, all the kingdoms of the world. And what? That's what Adam and Eve lost in the beginning. When he showed him, next verse, thank you. What did he say? Come on, read the next verse. What did he say? He said to Jesus, all these things I will give you. If you fall down, worship me. Next verse. If you fall down, uh-huh. As a matter of fact, the better to let him say, he said, because they have been delivered to me. That's in Luke. Luke chapter 4 version. He said, all these have been delivered to me. Who delivered it? Adam and Eve. So when God put his image into them, he gave them his authority. He gave them kingdom. He gave them dominion. When they submitted to him, they handed it over. Did you get that? Now, Jesus came with the image of God. The spirit have just come on him. God said, he wants him to hand it over to him again. By saying, I'll give you kingdoms and glory. Jesus said, no, it is written. Worship the Lord your God. And by the way, I'm in the place where I'm, the, I'm your Lord. You are the one to fall down by. I should trample you, not the other way. Now, you should begin to have a superior mentality to Satan. There are temptations that Satan brings. And you say, how dare you? You should fall down, not me. So the reason we yield to some temptation is identity crisis. How dare somebody chip in you and say, this is all you are worth? How are we talking? What was lost in the beginning is what Jesus came to restore. You got that? Number two. Get this. Number two. Um, we are meant to be a nation. A holy nation and a kingdom of, of priests. Part of having the image of God, the likeness of God, having the kingdom of God in you is to be a nation that is made of kings and priests. To be kings and priests that formed a nation. God was not trying to make a denomination. Exodus 19, if you read, I think, from verses 4, 5, 6, or from verse 5 and 6. Exodus 19, he says, if you hearken to me, if you follow my covenant, I will make you a kingdom of priests. Other words, I will make you kings and priests and a holy nation. Holy there is a distinct nation. It's a unique nation, a different outstanding nation that is complete. Come on now. Like Israel, lacking nothing, not depending on any nation. So, God says, I want all of you to be kings and priests and form a nation that is different. No criminals in that nation. That's kingdom. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord. I need to just release something here. Tell somebody, you are meant to be a king and a priest in this kingdom. 
We are a holy nation whose citizens are kings and priests. Now, now listen. Many have never understood this. Priesthood is for worship. It's for prayer. It's for inter intercession. Kingship is for rulership. And your kingship thrives upon the quality of your priesthood. Get it tomorrow. <laughs> your kingship thrives, rides, succeeds upon the quality, the effectiveness of your priesthood ministry. Priesthood connects God to receive power for kingship. Kingship is the conduit through which the life of God flows for the expression of his kingship. Some people think now some of us are priests, some are kings. You just miss it. Every one of us as a citizen is meant to be king and priest. You don't split it. If you can't be priest, you can't be king. And to be priest and not get into kingship is to so change the process. To sort circuit. To originally, this is what we're meant to do. And First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, repeat it in the New Testament. He says, but you are a holy now. Help me now. Oh, you are, or, no. You are a chosen generation. Chosen generation. Generation are people that generate nations. Generate nations. Generate nations. Not just churches. Not branches. You are a what? Chosen. And what? Royal priesthood there is kings and priests. Kingly priests. Priests that are kings. Like Melchizedek. Like Jesus. Like David. Like Moses. Moses was priest, was king and prophet. David was king and priest and prophet. Jesus was also. Royal priesthood and a holy nation. And God's own special or peculiar people. That's how you can proclaim the praises of God who call you out of darkness with marvelous light. That's purpose there. Stated in Exodus 19, repeated in 1 Peter 2. The purpose of God don't change. And that's what man lost in the beginning. That's what Jesus came to bring. Second to the last point. Can you see, take it in? I can feel you. Are you there? So point three. Yeah. We'll land. Yeah, by the way, kings and priests as a nation, we are headed by the king of kings. The reason Jesus called king of kings, right, is in Revelation 17. Uh, why is he written again? He's in um, he's in First uh, Timothy chapter one, I think verse sixteen. He's the only potentate. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's in Revelation nineteen. Part of his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Is that right? The reason he's King of Kings, he rules all kings and lords it over all lords to fulfill his purpose. He uses kings and lords, but primarily. 
We are the kings and the lords. That he reigns over. That he reigns through. It's because we, his citizens, are kings. That's why he's king of kings. Did you get it? All right. So, point three. These are legal matters, so you need to get it straightened out. Point three. We are of the same nationality and of one edifice with the early apostles. We are of the same spiritual nationality and we belong to the same spiritual edifice with Peter, John, and all the apostles. Now, this is, this is a very powerful point. This is a very powerful point. Can you imagine for a moment that you and Paul, you are, you are, you are of the same class? But that's the truth. That you and Peter. That's the truth. It looks out of this world now. Okay, so let's bring it here. Can you imagine? Or shouldn't you imagine? That you and yours sincerely. We have the same specific. We have the same patrimony. We have the same inheritance. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same access. The difference between me and you is what we give attention to. Because these things are not a matter of luck. Political power don't come by luck. <laughs> you have to go for it. Are we talking? So listen, you are of the same spiritual nationality and you belong to the same spiritual edifice with all the apostles. Second Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Peter said, I'm writing to you that has obtained the same type of faith that I obtained. Your faith is not inferior to Peter's faith. Your faith is not, have you disconnected from me? I can't feel the people at the back. Yeah, we're doing kingdom here, so just give me a few more minutes. You need to take this in. Listen. Your faith is of the same quality, of the same potential, of the same degree, the same power with Paul's faith. How do we know? In Romans 1.11, Paul says, I want to come and preach my gospel to you, the one revealed to me, so that you can be what? So you can be established. Right? When I come and preach my gospel, you'll be established. So that through your mutual faith, you and I, is it there? I long to see that I may impart some spiritual gift. Not gifts, gift, gift, not gifts. Some, a certain dimension. I want to activate something. There's what I have seen. I want to open it up in you. Okay? So that you may be established. Look at verse 12. So that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So Paul says, our faith is the same. When I activate in you what I have, your faith huh, will encourage me as my faith encourages you. 
So it's not meant to be a pedestal. Apostles are there. We are here. He said, when I impart it to you, you come to my level. And as I encourage you, you encourage me. Second Peter 1, he says, you have received the same precious faith. Like precious faith that we received. The question is what you did with your own faith. Some turn into basket faith. Some use it as battle faith. Some use it trying to, to subject people and subdue people. Some use it to subdue kingdom. It's the same faith. Some use it to curse people. Some use it to bless. Some use Okay, so you can go on and on. I don't even want to go there. Same like precious faith. By the way, it's not just the faith, same faith with the apostles. It's the same faith that Jesus carried. In Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said, when Jesus said, have faith in God. That's in King James. If you read Young Literal Translation, it says, have the faith of God. So you are supposed to have the faith that God has. Because out of his nature, and you have his nature. That's the faith that Jesus has. Faith in God is different from the faith of God. To have faith in God, that there is God, is one thing. To have the faith of God working in you, it's a different level. So the same faith that Jesus had, he just modeled it for us. That's what the apostles now imbibed and received. That's what you have. That's what you should activate. So we have the same DNA, nationality. We belong to the same edifice. Ephesians 2, we read the other day, verses 19 and 20. You are no more strangers and foreigners and this. You are citizens and, you know, fellow citizens and of the same household of faith with the apostles. And he says you have been built on the foundation of the apostles. So their foundation, you are built on them. You are the same edifice. Come on now. You are built on Paul. You are built on Peter. You are built on them. And Jesus is the cornerstone. So we, Jesus, and the apostles were one house. That's what made kingdom possible. Siladet, take it further. Okay? Is that okay? Oh, Lord. Last but not the least one. Can you take the last? Come on, if you can do, just do something radical. Wave your hand, shout. Just do something. Slap somebody. Push somebody. Just do something. All right, this is the last point. This is the last point. Praise God. This is very profound. Our spiritual citizenship, our kingdom citizenship, that is our nationality, and our dominion, who have been illegal and criminal if the former kingdom and her ruler have not been defeated. I want to repeat. In the Garden of Eden, Satan took over. It was an overthrow. Did you get it? He overthrew the president and the vice president, Adam and Eve. He took over. 
And it started raining with sin and diseases and death and murder and corruption. That's his government. That's his kingdom. It's called kingdom of darkness. Are we following? And as long as that was on, no one could overthrow him. It doesn't matter how religious you are, you were under that. Until Jesus came. Now Jesus came and said, I come to establish a new kingdom. With new citizens. And I'm giving them authority to rule, to reign. And listen, they will tread upon the descendant of that Satan called serpent and scorpion. Are you listening? And he, he didn't hide it. He said, that's what I came to do. So now, after Jesus died, as a matter of fact, he was convicted of treason. Do you remember that when God told Samuel to go and ordain a king, why Saul was still king? First Samuel 16. Samuel said to God, if Saul hears why he's still king, that I've come to ordain another king, he will kill me. He didn't say, we kill the boy I ordain. He will kill me. That's treason. That's a coup. God did not say to Samuel, no, he can't kill you. He said, pretend. He said, don't tell. When you're dealing with kingdom, you need to be strategic. He said, don't tell them you have come to ordain a king. Tell them you have come to worship. That's why I say you can conquer the world by worshiping. So don't go there and say, we're speaking to the president of this country. And we have come to take over. And, and to chase you out of office. Because we are corrupt. Just say, we've come to worship. They will say, well, that's religion. We're not interested. Okay, let's go there and encourage them. So God told Samuel, tell them you've come to worship. Why they are worshiping? Consecrate the family. Anyone I tell you, separate him secretly. And make him secret king. And let him be growing until he will take over. Did you get that? Why a king is still reigning? Why government is still in power? Why kingdom is still in effect? To raise another kingdom is treason. So the reason the kingdom of Jesus is standing and we are going around the world and proclaiming, the reason you can be king and priest, the reason you can have spiritual authority now, are you listening? The reason the devil can no longer hold you or cage you is because he has been defeated. Listen, he has been overthrown. There has been a takeover. You just didn't know. He's now an illegitimate president. He's a terrorist. Trying to rule some territory where government have not chased him out. That's the truth. So let's end with Luke chapter 10. 
that look will open to you as you look at look. As it has never been before. So, but set the scripture concerning these things. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. We need to pray. Did you enjoy this? Come on, come on. Say, Satan! I see you defeated. I've seen the downfall of Satan. Satan cannot harass me. Oh, you need to know how I deal with Satan. So when he causes some troubles, you know, like suicide bombing somewhere, you know, just some crises, and I understand. Now, if I tell people, I say, if he doesn't do that, I will blame him. I mean, we've caused him so much nightmare. You get what I'm saying? You see that terrorists are still trying to do stuff in America and Europe. And, but government is in place. So all you need to do is to make sure you... Maybe it's, it's part of the process. Anyway, so the way me and Satan deal is that I say, Satan, tell me the worst you can do. But I hope you know when you do this worst, it's going to get worse <laughs> for you. Because I'm prepared. The 70 returned with joy. You are returning with joy. That is kingdom frequency. You don't come to a kingdom meeting and go back frustrated. And go back confused. And go back drained and exhausted and ex exploited. They that know their gods have been strong and do exploit. Those who don't know their gods have been weak and exploited. They return with joy. Saying, your joy must be expressed in what you say. So, if you're out of this hall and we can't feel your joy, you are not saying nothing. Come on, ask the person and say, where is your joy? Where is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom? I'm not feeling you. Well, you say, well, I got, I got joy. I'm just not talking. No, no, you got to say something. They return with joy saying, Lord, that's testimony time. Lord, I have something to say. Even the demons, even the demons, which means the, the king, the president, the scribe, the people, everybody. But what surprised us? Even the stubborn demons, even the demons are subject, subject. They didn't say where. Ah, we've entered a dimension. Subject to us in your name. See, name there is not Jesus. It's your nature. We went with your nature. We went with your mentality. And we saw that demons that caused our crisis, subjects. They were confessing and testifying. They said, when you asked us to go, we didn't know it's going to work. <laughs> we just went. We didn't want to disobey. We didn't want to embarrass you. But we are surprised. The thing worked more than we thought. That's why we keep saying God is going to surprise you. Just go and talk this thing. Activate. Apply it. You will be surprised. Next verse. What did Jesus say? <laughs> Jesus said to them. Listen to them. Come on, read. What did Jesus say? Everybody, one go. I saw Satan 
for. You know what that means? I'm not surprised. If it happened otherwise, I would have been surprised. Number two, the demons have no option. I inaugurated another kingdom. I made you kings and rulers. I gave you to because I have seen the overthrow of their kingdom, of their president. Look at what they're saying. They said, even the demons. Jesus said, oh, but I saw the king first. So why not? In other words, if he didn't fall, the demons wouldn't submit. You wouldn't go and return with joy. But you'll be arrested and detained and, and crushed. I saw to read. And I witnessed it. Satan like lightning, a falling star. That's why I say you should go. Next verse. Behold! When you see behold, it means... In Nigeria, they say, shine your eyes. How do you say it here? <laughs> you don't have words for that. See, let me just say about Nigeria. Don't let Nigerians hear this, okay? Yeah. When Nigerians say, shine your eyes, because they mean, if you don't do that, somebody's going to cheat you. <laughs> All right, so... Jesus said, behold, or it means if you don't, if you are not allowed, you're going to miss this. Something is happening that you can miss out on. Behold, I give you authority. Another thing, little King James said power. But power there is authority in Greek. Exusa. It's different from Dynamics, ability. Did you get it? Why did I give you authority? What Adam and Eve lost, I brought. And it's what I'm giving you. And I could give you because I've seen Satan fall. That kingdom has been defeated, has been overthrown. I'm instituting a new government. So, I'm conferring authority on you. Unknown to you, watch out. What is really happening is that I have given you authority. I've made you kings and ambassadors. I've made you rulers. Right? And as a result of this, you can tread. Serpents and scorpions are agents, ambassadors of Satan. Grand troops of Satan. They're demons. They are under your feet. They are, they are an illegitimate government trying to do something, but you can crush them in your house, in your body, in your business, in your nation, in your city, in your family. Tread upon them and over all the power of the enemy. You need to check here. The power, there is no authority. That's why I didn't use the same word. Uh, uh, put the new King James back. This old King James, he says, I give you power to tread upon seven and Let's see old King James. Is there authority? Let's be sure. New, new, new. To tread upon what? I give you authority to tread upon what? All the power. So it's going to be, I give you exusa to tread upon all the dunamis, all the ability. 
of Satan. Did you get that? Because Satan has no authority. But he's able to do something based on your ignorance. The difference between power and authority is this. A policeman standing on the road with a truck coming on high speed has authority to stop it. That's power. Delegated. Authority. Yeah, it's a form of power. So he stops it, and the guy stops. He doesn't have the ability, the dynamics, when the vehicle is coming on speed. No ability, but there's authority. So your authority can do what your ability cannot do. That's why when you get kingdom, you start doing things beyond your ability. Did you get that? The guy driving the truck has ability with the engine and the, and the accelerator to cross the police. But he doesn't have the authority. So authority is superior to ability. See, listen. Without Jesus in us, without the Holy Ghost, our ability is inferior to Satan. He's been on before we were born. He's made like a shiny star. Go and read about him. Isaiah chapter 12. Ezekiel 28, all precious stone, inbuilt musical instrument, perfect. He's the peak of the park. His ability is incredible. But he's lost the authority. Jesus poured powers and I mean principalities and power. He took the keys. That's the authority of death and hell. He took Satan's authority and came out. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he shouted, all power, that's all authority, has been given to me. Now we have both authority conferred on us as kingdom and ability. The ability is by the indwelling Holy Ghost. That's why in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says you receive power. That's no authority. You receive ability, dunamis, enablement to represent me. To be a living witness of what I have achieved. All over the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other. You can go anywhere. You have the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. But the reason you can use that power is because I give you authority. And he said, watch out. I will be with you always, backing you up. So the reason we have kingdom authority it's because Satan has been overthrown. He's been defeated. Read it in Revelation 12. He was cast out of heaven. He fell. And there was an announcement. Now salvation. Can you put Revelation 12? Let's finish with that. Revelation 12 verse 7. Have you seen the downfall of Satan? Can you see Satan defeated? Can you see the authority of Jesus upon your life? Do you feel the ability of the Holy Ghost on the inside? You're ready for kingdom. So, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. That's the serpent, that's Satan. And they, they don't like to dignify Satan by calling his name every time. Anyway, and the dragon and his angels fought. Verse 8, they fought. 
If they fought in heaven, why do you think they won't fight around you? But they did not. But they did not. But they did not prevail. Neither was place found for them in heaven any longer. So I tell Satan, you fought there, you lost. How dare you think you can take over here? This is an embassy of where you're coming from. Hallelujah! Your family, your house, your life, your sphere is an extension of the heavenly government where Satan was defeated. Whatever concerns you, announce to Satan. This is an extension of your Waterloo, of your nightmare. Here, you have no authority. He knows it's a legal matter. Next verse. So, the great dragon was cast out unwillingly. He didn't want it, but he couldn't help it. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Who deceives? That's how he reigns. Until he deceives you, he can't destroy you. Who deceives the whole world? What an ability of deception. He was cast out to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. One third of the angels in heaven. Next verse. What happened? Everybody read it loud. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Who accused them before our God? They are not has been. Listen, your chief prosecutor has been fired. He's been charged with contempt of court. He can't enter the courtroom anymore. He was thrown out. And there was an announcement. Let me talk to you. Satan has been defeated. He can't stand before God to accuse you. Listen. The only way and place he, he accuses you now is in your heart. And in the mouth of brethren. Not in heaven. There's nothing God, Satan says against you that God is going to use. But he says it to you and you accept it. Or he uses people to say it and you believe it. The one accusing them before our God delay has been cast out. And heaven is celebrating. He says, our brethren on earth, they should know. The guy accusing them here, can no man come here? But he's now deceiving you. He's coming to say, heaven don't want you. God don't want you. Did you forget what you did? And you were believing him. That's why he's smart. When next the devil reminds you of your past, trying to use your past against you, tell him that's true. But the difference between me and you is that I have a bad past. Before I met Jesus and entered the kingdom, you had a great past. When you were a shining star, but let's talk about our future. Listen, I'm sending you, listen, I'm sending you a message to Satan through your conscience. Tell the devil, I don't deny the past. But let's establish the future. 
So you tell him, this is my future in Christ. I'm, I'm, I will reign forever with Christ. The power of the righteous is shining light. I'm king and priest. Did you get that? I'm, I'm washed by the blood. On and on. My future is so bright, I need sunshade. Listen. 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 Then just show him a little of his future. It's contained in Revelation 20. Revelation 20 verse 1 down. An angel dropped from heaven with keys of the bottomless pit, with chains, and called Lucifer. Satan said, you've done enough. Come on, you're under arrest. The judgment was passed when Jesus came. It's time to execute the judgment. That's his future. He was chained, dropped into pit of hell, and locked up. First for a thousand years. For us to learn how to reign with Christ. Before he will be brought out for final settlement. When he will now be taken to the lake of fire. Including death and hell and beast and false prophet and hell. Everyone. Only those who don't believe. Who remain corrupt. Who refuse to submit to the kingdom of Jesus will follow Satan to lake of fire. That's the future. So I want you to begin to celebrate the downfall of Satan. Celebrate kingdom authority. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. Come on, come on, music guys. Let's rise up. Begin to worship. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.